2: Aliens to ghosts, demons to angels, and from shadow people to the outlandish. Heidi Hollis' The Outlander. Outland. Outland.
3: Welcome, welcome everybody to my awesome Friday evening. You are listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander. So again, welcome to this show. You guys are probably sitting there going, my God, who is this woman? So anyways, this show is about bringing outlandish and interesting topics to the forefront from aliens to angels, ghosts, demons, holy encounters, shuttle people to Bigfoot to the outlandish. I always say, if it's weird, we're here. And now you are too, so... You're just as odd as I am. I know. You're among friends. Don't worry, people. It's okay. So, um, again, if you do not know who I am, that's just too bad. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. If you don't know who I am, when it comes to the outlandish, from bad aliens to good aliens to visions of Jesus to angels, personally, I am someone who has been there, seen that, experienced it, freaked out, found some answers, wrote about it, got over it, and now I hope to help others do the same thing and understand the various parts of our very, very crazy world. And if you want, you can learn more about me by going to my website, which is HeidiHollis.com. Everybody sound it out, H-E-I-D-I-H-O-L-L-I-S.com. And uh, you'll see a lot of things on there. And I ask you to join me on Facebook. I have an awesome group there called Paranormal Pledge, and yeah, all that. So, and I also have a little, little, little tiny like I don't know. Do you call it a fan page? I guess you call it a fan page for the for the radio show, so you guys can uh, keep in touch, you know, and. Uh, have fun and send me messages and send your questions and all that good stuff. And I do my best to get back to you and Twitter and YouTube. Yeah, I've got all that stuff on there, too. So, you know, just wave or something. I do like to hear from people. And uh, for some reason, everybody's kind of shocked when I get back to them. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I really try. I, it's, it's not always easy. I admit it. I admit, not always easy, but I I do try my best. And uh, yeah, so please go ahead and do that. And I also wanted to send a very warm thank you to you guys out there. My book called Jesus is No Joke. Yeah, I know. It's about four encounters with Jesus that I personally had. And I know I don't sound like the typical person that would have seen such things, because I'm not. That's why it's uh, not a typical book. It's very casual. And, uh, you know, somebody like myself who writes about aliens, shadow people and and stuff, and, uh, you know, in pops Jesus, and I was a skeptic of such things. So um, I want to thank you guys for making my book number one, top rated in its category... For, gosh, I wish I knew what it hit there. I don't have that record, but it has been at least, I don't know, 12 weeks, number one. That's pretty cool. So I invite you all to please head on over, check out, you could go to my website and find it there, or you could go to Amazon and type in my name, Heidi Hollis, or Jesus is No Joke, and check out the book. And, uh, you know, I knew that something interesting had happened when a good. Jewish friend of mine said Heidi I'm Jewish and I love your Jesus book so <laughs> I guess that's pretty good so um, yay so you guys thank you again I, I really can't thank you enough and I invite you guys to uh, please do leave a book review if you do check it out I mean I only have it for two ninety nine there for the for the ebook so I just like to keep that part as reasonable as I can because the print you just really can't control that as much but anyways okay I am going to go on here but I just had to say thank you, and uh, I want to let you guys know how you can hear this program, because a lot of people just don't know how they could do that, so some of the very unique ways you can hear this show is through InceptionRadioNetwork.com, of course, (laughs) so you just go there, and you can get an app for your Android or iPhone, and just Type in Inception Radio Network, and you get the whole app for free, and you can hear this program by phone. Isn't that cool? You could be anywhere and just call 832-280-0830 or 786-837-2262. You can hear the whole darn program just by you know tuning in on your phone. I, I think that's a, a neat feature. And people. I know you guys are shy, and I know a lot of you listen to the archives, but if you are a live human being at this time, you can always call in and ask myself questions or my awesome guest at one 919 2355 or if you don't want to do that, you can always Skype in your questions and comments at Inception Radio Network. And then there's also a live chat. Did you know that? There's a chat room. You guys just go to the chat room inceptionradionetwork.com and uh, yeah, and we could just chat it up. And I do visit the chat room and I do look at your questions there. So if you got questions, going back and forth sometimes could be a hassle. I could, but I try, I still try. Okay, all right. So um, now there's part of the program that I start off with, and I I call it the outlandish corner. I had I had no other. <laughs> No other title for it. So I just like eh, it's a corner and it's outlandish. So anyways, what is the outlandish corner? Well, this is where I address your many, many thoughtful emails sent in to me where you guys have shared your paranormal experiences, questions, comments and the like. And I do my best to lend some advice on it if I can. I know. I do my best with that, too. So, again, I'm not a guru. I'm not a know-it-all. I'm not a psychic. I'm just someone who has been through some horrific stuff and some cool stuff that no one can relate to and um, got over it. And uh, I really am trying my best to help people to be able to deal with these topics on a regular level like we do with most anything, with a sense of humor and, I don't know, a pep in our step, something like that. So if you guys have a question, if you have a story, anything that you'd like to share, comments, comments, Please write me at Outlander D-A-S, Outlander, at gmail.com, or go to my Facebook page. Just put a one in front of my name. Twitter, put a one in front of my name, and there you go. All right, so I'm going over to the Outlandish Corner right now, and I am going to address some of your emails, and I am going to invite my guests also to join in on some of this here and uh, Let's see what we got here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this one this one is interesting. Um uh, for you guys who don't know, Frank Santariga, he is going to be joining me here. Frank, you're there, right? I'm right here, Heidi. Thanks. He's he's right here. Okay, cool. So we're going to I'm going to read this off and uh we'll get down to it here, Frank. All right. It says, "Hello Heidi Hollis, that's me. Uh, how are you doing? I was listening to your radio show on January 4th." Very cool. And you're talking about Jesus. You said that we are welcome to email you comments and questions. Well, here are my comments and questions. I have also heard you on another radio program. I have also seen your videos on YouTube that you had four visitations from Jesus. I just said that, didn't I? (laughs) I would like to know what Jesus looked like. And could you give more details about his appearance? And did he appear through a portal? Did Jesus appear like a supernatural human? Did his immortal powers show themselves on him? Is Jesus God? I have heard on the radio and on TV that Jesus is God, or Jesus is the Son of God. What did Jesus tell you when he visited you? Boy, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> have you read the whole Bible? And lastly, how come Jesus does not help people in the world, and how come he does not prevent bad things from happening to people? If Jesus is all-powerful, how come he does not control the world? Also, I have a friend that is 70 years old. Two years ago, he told me that he met Jesus in real life. He said Jesus appeared to him in 1976. He was wearing a black robe with a black hood over his head, and there was no light around him. If you want to answer my questions on your Outlander show, that would be good. Take care. Thanks, Eric. Well, thank you, Eric, for writing in. Um, I know Eric had, uh, uh, and I had exchanged a couple of emails after he had sent this to me because... He was like, ah, you know, you don't have to answer that stuff because it's a little out there. But personally, I am ecstatic that somebody is asking about a more lighthearted topic. I always get the dark stuff sent to me. Oh, so um, let's just begin. <laughs> you asked, what did he look like to me? Hmm. Well, you know, oddly enough, you know, I, I I mentioned earlier that I was a skeptic of, you know, people saying, oh, Jesus is in my bowl of soup or whatever. Um, <laughs> I just didn't think that stuff was happening. I didn't see him in a bowl of soup or anything like that. I had, uh, I guess you call them visions of him. Um, absolutely fantastic things that changed my whole tune. And, uh, you know, didn't, it didn't confuse me on where I stood on when it comes to things out of the ordinary like aliens and UFOs or anything like that. I could keep my faith and see a UFO at the same time. It's kind of a neat trick, I know. But, yeah, it, could, it can happen. But a lot of people do lose their faith um, when they've experienced the paranormal, and I think that's sad. Um, a lot of people lose their faith when horrible things happen to them, and that's even more sad. And through the exchange of emails that I've had with Eric here, he did mention that he had lost his faith in God or there even being a god and is near being atheist because so many awful things happen in the world. And to be honest, I think a lot of us have been there. I think a lot of us have been like, Ugh, this place sucks. There can't be a god, what the heck? But then like something demonic shows up and ooh, that's easy to believe in, but not, not the 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 one that is potentially I don't know, some people are skeptical, um potentially causing a lot of good things happening in your days and in your life as well. So I think it needs to be thought of in that regard. It's like you could see a boogeyman, uh, you know, but you you know God is is there too. He's not out to prove that he's there um always, but you know, neither does the devil. So, um but then they do sometimes, don't they? You can see it on paranormal shows all the time. "Hey ghost, are you there? Turn my flashlight off." They don't always do it, but they're there. They show up. They do stuff, so does God. Mm, uh-huh. That's right. One-two-punch. Um, so anyways, did Jesus appear like a supernatural human? Well, he was levitating, um, and he did look very much like um, like the renderings that you see. I, he was wearing a white robe. He had shoulder-length hair. When I looked up at him, I could not see his face. It was shadowed in. Um, so I did not get to see what he looked like. But when uh, one of the experiences I had, I got very close to him, and just magnificent blue eyes. I hadn't. Never seen it in a person, but I did see in a movie called Dune a long time ago. You know, the glowing blue eyes, if you didn't see Dune. Okay. Um, but yeah, he had really glowing blue eyes like that. Um, and then you asked a whole bunch of other questions Is Jesus God? Well, you know, what's that? Uh, the Holy Spirit, Jesus God, you believe in as being related to each other, one of the whole. Um, that's just something kind of biblical. So, um, but he also respected the fact that there was a father in heaven. So I guess it's yes and yes. He's both, right? He's part of the big guy. Mhm. Just like we're part of our father. Yeah, okay. I'm not I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest, I'm not any of that stuff, so I'm I'm sorry, I'm just me um uh, interpreting on my own. So I think it's a good idea to interpret for yourself. Um, what did Jesus tell me? You know, he didn't have any grand thing for me to just spell out to the world like You should do this, you should do that. It was nothing like that. Um, And I think that's probably what made my book a little different from others because I didn't sit there and try to dictate anything. It was more or less, um, wow, he's real. (laughs) The smacking of the reality in my face, and I hope to smack in the reality of other people to realize that um, he's real. And I was a huge skeptic of him and had put it in my first book, actually, and then had to rewrite that book. Yes, I did. That was The Secret War. That's the first book written on shadow people. That was me. Okay. Um, have you read the whole Bible? Mostly, I guess you could say. hmm. Yeah. Um, how come Jesus does not help people in the world? Why does Jesus not help people? You know, um, it, I've been helped. I got healed of an incurable disease in one of the um, experiences that I had with him. Since then, I have had, mm, let's see, horrible things happen to me, and he didn't always show up and fix it right away either. Um, So I think that uh, that's the number one question that a lot of people ask when it comes to, you know, God, Jesus, how come you're not doing this? How come you're not? This is just too awful. How come this is going on? You know, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. Um, I had a lot of crazy health setbacks recently. And um, what did it get me to do? Well, it put me on my butt where I was sitting home writing a lot. And now guess what? I'm going to have like four books being put out to the world pretty soon because of it. So everything happens for a reason, even though I think I could have done without, I don't know, a broken neck. (laughs) I think I could have done without that. But maybe God said, "Mm -mm, Heidi, you need to sit down for a bit because I really, really need to see that book get done. So, yeah. So, so you know what, I'm uh, going to just like save this next email for next week because we're running short anyways. And I'm just going to get to my awesome guest. How's about that, Frank? Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because I don't feel like getting scooped up or swooped up by any more UFOs or anything like that. All right, so, yes, people, I have an awesome guest tonight. I have Frank... And if I slaughter his name, he might get me Santa Riga. Joined yeah, a fellowship correct. in Okay, yay! <laughs> Gained a fellowship in parapsychology from the American Parapsychological Research Center in Sherman Oaks, California. He has been engaged in the investigation and research of paranormal phenomena for over twenty five years. His most notable of UFO cases was the Hudson Valley Triangle phenomena of the mid nineteen eighties and of haunting cases. It was Montauk, New York, Hangman's Ghost. Many of his investigations can be found in his awesome new book called Paranormal Family and Friends. Everybody, welcome Frank Santoriga. How are you? Thank you.
2: Thanks a lot. Thank you.
3: Yes. No. I really appreciate your patience. I really had hoped to get you to join in on some of those lovely letters that I get here. But you know what? Fate always makes a twist and a kink. Well,
2: you know, I, I, uh, I, one of the things that I'm doing now, I'm uh, researching things on near-death experiences. Oh, uh, yeah, and a lot of those things that you experience, uh, uh, I've you know gotten from other people, and uh, and the always ask, I always ask anyway, uh, the face of Jesus. Mm. And in most cases, they do not see the face. They they either see a light or they see a glow, but they never see features, uh, yeah, at least you got to see the eyes, yeah, but, uh, yeah,
3: it was uh it was very interesting too, because like I was at a good enough distance where I should have been able to see his face, and then all of a sudden he was really close, and his eyes were so intense, I just all I could see were the eyes. So very interesting. Yeah, you know, when it comes to, I question if I've had near death experiences. I, I'm, I'm thinking potentially I, I had um, not in the case of when I met him, but I had some. I have memories of of other things in other places that are just like there's no way I could have that. So it's just a. Mm-hmm. It's just fascinating stuff. So I, that's, that's cool. I mean, it, it seems like you have a pretty broad range of topics that you explore. Now, how and why did you get involved in this stuff? And you've been doing this for a very long time.
2: Well, uh, well, I was always curious. I always loved the mystery. Uh, I mean, that, that always fascinated me, I mean, all kinds of mysteries and stories. There used to be a program years ago called One Step Beyond. And I remember when I was a kid, I'd go to bed scared as hell because they would say, that this is a true thing that happened. And uh, it was always a big mystery, and I always wanted to find out. You know, I always thought I could be the person to find out the answer of the UFO phenomenon or or why there's ghosts. I always wanted to try. Uh, And then uh, one year when I was in Italy, uh, I I guess they say that I saw a UFO. I mean, not just myself, but uh, like uh, thousands of other people. Uh, But to me, it looked like a meteor that was coming down, but just... Load. I mean, to a very slow pace, went around the mountain and then shot back up. So I guess it couldn't have been a meteor.
3: Huh.
2: But so that got me thinking too when I got back home. So I started looking into it more and more, and uh, and I, I just became fascinated. You know, with the the, the uh, that again back in the '60s, uh, they were getting a lot of these sightings out in the West. So I was starting to learn more about it, and uh, and, and then uh, again, ghosts. Uh, like I say in my book. My family, um, you know, my mom, my cousins—they've um, had uh, some kind of psychic abilities uh, to see these things or to feel these things or to know when things are happening. So uh, that got me all interested in getting it all together and making it like a book.
3: Interesting. Now, do you feel because this kind of runs in your family that perhaps that's why you've got the inkling that you did to get into this stuff and why maybe you saw the UFO or you know, there's there's been Mass sightings where there's others in the crowd that don't see anything. So, you know, what what do you think? Do you think that this is what what drew you into this?
2: I I like I said I always was fascinated by a mystery, and uh, and I I don't know why. Like for a good example, my wife and my daughter, they tend they at least they tell me they see what they call shadows. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, now I'm wondering if that's the type of shadow people you see. Or is it a shadow people like the, when you go on an investigation, you see a shadow go by? I, I don't know. But how come I don't see it? I'm up here, uh, you know, in the office up here at night, sometimes three or four in the morning, and I don't see nothing but my cat jumping on, the, you know, on my lap over there. <laughs> uh, I, I just, uh, I, I just don't, I don't see it. And I always wonder why, why can't I do it? Why can't I see it? I, I just, I just don't have that ability.
3: Interesting. But it got to come so
2: easy to the people in the family.
3: Wow! But uh, you feel that this is this is something that has just run along your family lines, though on your side and your wife's side, apparently.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, my, again, my wife uh, is not that um, let's say psychic as my mother or my cousins are. Uh, she has the the ability to know when the song's going to come on the radio, or if she says something, something somebody will say the same thing. Uh, right after her she has that kind of ability but like my mom where she could see things she has premonitions of things happening and where she used to anyway um it's a whole different area Uh, they're more of a psychic medium type of person where my wife just has some psychic abilities i see Um, yeah
3: so now it now, you got involved in this in in such a unique way I mean it's like okay you you like mysteries a lot of people like mysteries, but mm. wow, you got involved in the american parapsychological um research center i mean what did that involve and and what well, why did you why did you I, take I, it that far i mean that's interesting
2: well i, I um well, I was living in Colorado at the time, and uh, I was taking classes at the University of Denver, and one of my classmates uh had a uh, a book, you know, uh, a catalog from the you know, from the uh, research center, and I said, you know, well, what's that all about? And so he uh, he explained it to me, and I thought it was just fascinating. I said, you believe in these things? He says, well, there's something out there. I mean, not everybody could be making up these things. There must be something out there to it. So I looked into it, and and I uh, I just got hooked. Uh, I mean, it was just the subjects were just fascinating. Uh, you know, psychometry, uh, uh telekinesis, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences. I mean, these subjects are, are just fascinating to me.
3: And it all got launched from your having seen that, that UFO. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people who get involved in this stuff, it it starts with a personal experience, and mm-hmm. then there's that interest that just peaks and peaks. And, uh, you know, it, it's w- another fascinating thing is, too, that, you know, like a lot of people will focus on just one thing. In particular, and myself and you, you know, it's like you start to see that there are connections between different paranormal phenomenons I mean, have exactly. you found?
2: Exactly. And, 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 I, and, Heidi hit it right on the head because <laughs> as I, 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 as one of the things I belong to is a, uh, MUFON the chapter here in Michigan. And, um, at my first meeting there, I sat at the table and and I you know I said to people you know I introduced myself and I'd went around the table and I said well do you have UFO experience and you know they, some of them had it some of them hadn't people have they were just curious but I mean we're not just talking about UFOs here we have people who see dimensions we have see people who are have different uh, have been in different universes parallel universes. I mean, you sit at that table, you think you're with, uh, you know, like a wacko crew. It's just unbelievable, and that. But they all tie in with UFOs, and everything seems to blend together.
3: Wow, yeah, it does. It really does. And you know, it, oddly enough, I've had literally paranormal uh, researchers, like ghost hunters, tell me that I'm nuts for believing in aliens. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, yeah, come on. right,
2: right, yeah, exactly, right. <laughs>
3: Like yeah. you chasing specters. I mean, that's it's just a, uh, it's just funny to me that that I mean I think that a lot more camaraderie needs to be seen and 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 shown between those of us that are in, involved in researching things that are not quite the norm. I mean, wouldn't you say?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I I, I mean I became uh, fascinated with the the groups here that I, I belong to. Uh, uh, there's the, the one group here in Michigan here that. Um, extraterrestrials group here, uh, I thought they were just going to be talking about UFOs, but they were talking about the, the Mayan calendar, they were talking about, the, again, um, different dimensions and how there's a, uh, a new conscious coming to the people here now. For the new year, this tw- 2012 thing, wasn't going to be like the end of the world, which everybody thought that was. I mean, if you talk to people on the street, they thought it was going to be the end of the world, but the people who are, I I guess, at a different level of conscious than I am, that's for sure, they said it's not going to be the end of the world. It's going to be a new way of thinking, a new conscious people going to be more aware of themselves. So it's it's almost like a conscious revolution instead of an end of the world type of thing.
3: Right. And And to be honest with you, 2012 really sucked for myself (laughs) and a lot of people. (laughs) And I'm thinking it was the end for a lot of us And misery, it was ending in misery, was just never-ending horrific things that seemed to happen. And I'm like, gosh, 2013 had better be better than this because it it was a horrible year for a lot of people. So I'm I'm like, I got my fingers and toes crossed that this year is going to really show us something fantastic. Even though 13, I don't know, some people think that's a lucky number. I don't really prefer it. I don't know.
2: (laughs) Uh, like I said, the, the, the people here at the the Southeast Michigan UFO uh, E.T. Information Exchange, um, they're not just solely for UFOs, they're into everything, I mean, uh, spirituality, um, crystals, it's just, like you said, everything ties in together, there's not just one area where, like you say, a ghost hunter will say, you believe in that stuff, or uh, a UFO guy will say, you believe in ghosts, that's nonsense, but... I, I see a tie-in to all this somehow. I really do.
3: Right, exactly. I, and it's, uh, you know, coming up with the concept of shadow people. I, I was faced with people going, what? You know, what is that? Isn't that from a sci-fi movie or something? I'm like, no, it's." I just didn't have a better name for what it, the heck it was that I was seeing. And, and I tied it in as being something more alien-related. Now, the paranormal ghost hunter types would say these are the uh, ghost shadows and I mean, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, everybody's got an opinion, and it's like, hey, you know, whatever you, you feel fits for you, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you. Let's just work together and, and try to find more answers. I, I think it's a lot more productive. But I think that uh, when, when people work together more, I, I think that we would have a lot more progress showing than yeah. we have so far. But, and,
2: and, but, I, and I do see that. I do see that. I see with the MUFON group that're not you know they're not strictly talking about UFOs anymore they're talking about other things they're talking about you know time travel and, and, and dimensions and things of that nature so uh, we're moving on we're, you know we're not you know killing that UFO story you know keep bashing it and bashing it uh, for myself I'm, I'm being honest with you. this is probably the last year that i 'm going to be really any kind of act, active in the UFO area because I'm just tired of it. Uh, I mean, if there's no disclosure, then to the heck with it. I, I'm just going to go on and do, uh, continue my work on the near-death experience to do more research on that. Because, uh, I've, like I said, I've been hitting my head against this UFO thing. I mean, we go to these meetings, and we, right. we keep saying the same thing. You know, we've got to get these people to talk. We've got to have them do a disclosure. But nothing's happening.
3: Hmm. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I can relate to that. I, I, I understand what you're saying, because it's like, it's out of our hands, essentially. It's out of our hands until right. the powers that be say, oh, okay, I guess we'll crack and say, yeah, we got some uh, aliens hidden under the base here or something. It, right. And it, it's just like, you could go and scrape up the little remaining crumbs that our government leaves here and there, but they're just looking at us with a poker face, going, oh, no, what you're talking about? You know, it's it's mm-hmm, a bit mm-hmm. but the near-death yeah, Experience stuff. I mean, people are so changed by their experiences; they can't wait to tell you. Is that
2: yeah? And that's what I found. You know, you think people would kind of, you know, most people try to hide UFO type things. They, you know, they don't want to really come out and say, "Hey, I saw this UFO things." But when you're talking to people who had near-death experiences, they want you to know. They want you to know the whole story because they come out of it feeling a whole different thing. They're 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 more tuned to. I want to say spirituality, they're more up to a God or a creator. There's something more to look forward to.
3: Right, and, right.
2: And they come back with a purpose. They, they, they really come back. Most people would have to come back
3: uh, with a purpose. Interesting. Well, you know what? I want to get to our first break here, and then we'll get more into what your book is about and some of sure. your more famous topics that you research. You guys, you're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander, on Inception Radio Network, and we will be right back.
1: you're a fan of Inception Radio Network, do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. You're tuned into Inception Radio Network, bringing you the very best alternative news, interviews, and more. 100% quality, 24 7, 365, for the last three years. Carl Sagan once wrote that the questioning mind needs to be instilled with both skepticism and wonder. For the universe, is a pretty big place filled with undelved mysteries, sciences and life that we've barely begun to comprehend. Every month Intrepid Magazine brings you both the wondrous and the skeptical. Intrepid Magazine focuses on science, metaphysics, UFOs, politics, conspiracies and unexplained phenomenon all offered up by Intrepid's cadre of writers and contributors comprised of a host of seasoned authors, pundits and recognized names in their fields. The universe is in Indeed, a big place, and where other magazines leave off, Intrepid Mag is just beginning. Subscribe to Intrepid Magazine today at www.intrepidmag.com. That's www.intrepidmag.com. Get advice
0: on aliens to ghosts, demons to angels. And from shadow people to the outlandish, explore the paranormal with Heidi Hollis, the Outlander. Outland. Welcome back, everybody, to my.
3: Friday evening. you're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander, remembering always, if it's weird, you're here, and we are giving you advice and insight on outlandish topics. And the phone lines are always open, one 2355 And I have this spectacular guest, Frank Santariga, who is speaking about everything that's out of the ordinary, which I love because he's not just cornering his knowledge, he is is. Spreading out everything to take it all in. And I think that is uh, more beneficial to give a a well rounded perspective than a lot of people do out there when it comes to the paranormal. So, now, uh, Frank, you have this awesome book. And it was essentially in relation to, uh, well, paranormal family and friends. So, the people Mm -hmm. that you have in your life who have experienced odd things, where does this book take us? Does it focus on a lot of different topics,
2: or is it is it on just the one? Well, in it, with, uh, what, what I, after putting the book together, uh, I found that it, it goes, uh, it touches just about almost every uh, paranormal a- aspect that there is. Uh, there's uh, a topic about Ouija boards, and then there's topics about uh, out-of-body, uh, out-of-body experiences, and um, there's, of course, the alien encounters, you know, um, UFOs, and uh, apparitions and uh, premonitions and things. that I, So I pretty much uh, found out that after putting it all together, so said, wow, I says, I'm touching just about everything that I've been working with in, in the paranormal. So it, uh, it, it's pretty well-rounded. You're not just stuck with wanting type of things. You're seeing ghosts. You're also seeing UFOs. You're also seeing people's experiences with uh, 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 Ouija boards. Um, things of that nature, or uh, even poltergeist activity, that type of thing.
3: Interesting. So it, it's, it, and this has happened within your group of friends and family. Now, right. do you sometimes <laughs> you have a target painted on you? That's like, hey, show me the weird stuff because I'll write about it. I mean, what are the odds that you've you've got this group of people around you who have been experiencing so many odd things?
2: Well, they. they it's been for years and years. I mean, even before I've even thought about in the paranormal, my, my mom always uh, would wind up getting her migraine headaches. And usually before the headaches, she would have some kind of a premonition or uh, some kind of a feeling something was wrong. A uh, good example of it, uh, it's not in the book, but I remember my mom telling me this, is that uh, back in Italy, uh, my grandfather lived in Italy uh, in, in 1962. Uh, uh then uh, there was one night my mom she just couldn't get to sleep she just kept seeing she said uh, like water she said she kept seeing like waves and ocean like water and uh and she said to me she said i just couldn't sleep the other night and i said why she said i just kept having this terrible feeling of water water and um well the next you know the next morning she did get, get was able to get up and you know go to work and coming home uh we got a call from Italy. Um, my aunt in Italy called, saying that uh, there was a terrible disaster in the village where my grandfather lived. A dam had collapsed. Uh, uh, rather, the mountain had slid into the dam, causing the water in the dam to actually go over the dam and wipe out the village. Not only his village, but down further too. And and my mother had that premonition uh, the, the night before that she saw this big wall of water. And uh, and. It just things like that she would have. Uh, it would just uh, you know, I'd say wow you know and, but again this is me growing up hearing all these things about you know that she had. And then I would hear my, my aunts uh, when we were together you know family gatherings, how they would talk about things uh, like when my grandfather had passed away uh, they would see shadows we had a um, we lived in an apartment building and the front door of the apartment building had a window like a glass. But it was like a frosted glass. But there was a light behind it, so anybody standing there, you would see a shadow. And uh, the, I guess it was when my grandfather passed away, my aunts would see his shadow. And the dog, that he, he had a little dog, would run to there. And then one of my aunts would get up and open the door to see if there was anyone there, and there'd be no one there. You know, things of that nature. Just, and the dog would just run the other way. It was uh, you know just hearing all these things. Wow, wow, this is something. And and again, that spurred me to look more into the paranormal too. Why, why am I my mother and why am I aunt seeing these things? You know, you know, what makes them hear these things and uh, just all these different. Uh, what's so different about them then is to me? How come I don't see it? Or I don't hear these things.
3: I see. Yeah. Well, hold on. Your name last name is Santa Riga. That's close to Santa Ria. That's uh I
2: don't know. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, the voodoo. Yeah, the little voodoo thing on yeah. the side. Who knows? Yeah, but um, now, it's something I was hinting at earlier, too, that you you have been involved in looking into uh, something truly that has caught the, the imagination of a lot of people when it comes to the Hudson Valley Triangle. Can you explain a little bit about what your involvement was in the? Okay. I, I, I know I
2: should make this a little clearer. I, I should have done it in the book, but I did it in my presentation that I did for MUFON, that the Hudson River Valley it was not only just a triangle UFO. It was also a, a huge, a, just a huge disc-shaped object. And, mm-hmm. and according to my brother who witnessed this, he said it was like looking at a football stadium lit up in the sky. That's how big it was when he was standing under it. So... It wasn't just a triangle. The triangle was, I would say, was mostly seen. It wasn't seen in the uh, Fairfield, Connecticut area. That's where I lived in, in Connecticut. But we're only 20 miles from the Hudson River, New York side. So it, we saw, at most times, the huge circular object. But, yes, the triangle did come by many times also along the Long Island Sound. People would see the triangle there. In the cases that I've been following up on, most people, and again, the one that my brother saw, was a witness to, was a circular object, just of enormous size, enormous size.
3: So can you tell people who don't know about what was going on in that area, what was, uh, what was the general uh, occurrence?
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm glad to. Um, Back, again, in in the early 80s, I think it was like 82 to about 86 or 87, in that time period, there was a a number of sightings of this uh, triangle, huge triangle, uh, going along the Hudson River, uh, uh, along the towns of uh, Ossining, Peetskill, Yorktown, um, Poughkeepsie, all along the Hudson River. They would see this. Uh, I mean, hundreds of people, uh, thousands of people. At, at a certain point, there was uh, a great uh, story about it on Unsolved Mysteries uh, about the, uh, the Hudson River, uh, the Hudson Valley Triangle. Uh, again, Phil Ambrogno, he has a great book called the um, Oh the the um, the, the Edge, his, uh, the, 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 the the Night Siege. I think it's called Night Siege. It's all about the Hudson Valley Triangle, also. Um, again this object kept going uh, people would see it They would send planes it would just drop out of sight it would just disappear this huge thing would just disappear um, I, in fact a, a good point to put up here is that I, when I used to work in, in uh, Yonkers I used to work for a, a hospital in Yonkers and one of the interns there used to always kid me about my UFO uh, you know, investigations and things and uh, about oh, I would say about Four years later, I was watching an HBO special, yeah. and there he is, as about UFOs, and he was one of the ones who saw the triangle. Oh. And uh, I tell you, I, I must have laughed my head off because he's the one who said, "You're crazy, looking at these things. You believe in these things?" No. Uh, again, my brother was the same way. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't never a believer in UFOs until he had his experience. But, uh, again, this triangle uh, was going back and forth along the... It probably had a radius going into Connecticut and then across the Hudson River into the other side of New York State. Uh, I would say maybe about a 50 miles radius that people would witness this uh, object. And um, the the funny thing or the odd thing about it is that um, most of the sightings were at night. I, I can't tell you why, but... Most of the sightings were at night, and, uh, and usually uh, between 7 and 10 at night. It wasn't really late, late at night or, you know, real early in the morning. It was uh, what would they call, you know, prime time. I mean, people would be walking their dogs. People would be in the park uh, uh, getting ice cream during the summer, and they would look up and see this huge thing uh, just Did- right above their heads
3: ever go any further than that? Did anybody report uh, an increase in alien abductions or seeing any creatures in the area? Well, did, it, did anybody quite figure out what the pattern was um, in, in their flight pattern? Was there any indication why they may be there? Was any, well, were there any conclusions?
2: Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, again, Phil Brogdon brings up a good point uh, in his book Night Siege, that there uh, are what they, I guess they call ley lines that are uh, crossing in that area, and I guess they have uh, a, some kind of mag- super magnetic uh, ability or uh, to attract things. He feels that these ley lines are what these objects or UFOs use to either navigate or to gain power or something. But there are there are ley lines that go right across that area. There are also um, these, um, I want to say, Uh, abandoned caverns, uh, almost like a druid type of of homes, caves, or uh, shelters all along that area into Kent, and they feel that these these shelters were like more or less uh, uh, places of worship or spiritual type of uh, attractions for these UFOs. Now, as far as abductions, um, I don't know of any in particular, personally, that uh, I've heard about uh, that there were abductions, but they, I did read where they, people had lost time. They've seen this triangle and they have lost time, um, 15, 20 minutes, not, not an a hour or two you know, two or three hours, but like 15 or 20 minutes, a half hour at most people have lost time. But I, I couldn't tell you that they had abductions or not. I wouldn't know. Now, uh, I, I could bring up the, my brother's uh, experience on the, the one we, he saw in Connecticut, uh, I believe it was July twenty fourth, uh, 1984. Uh, he, that evening, uh, he, I was uh, painting uh, up in his, uh, he was living with us at the time in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and I was painting in his uh, upstairs uh, room. And I was listening to the radio, and I heard on the radio, well, I mean, usually we, they talk about politics and things like that's going on uh, and locally, but uh, all of a sudden, uh, a caller comes into the radio station saying, hey, uh, did you look out the window? We got the UFO going right up Main Street in Bridgeport. And, you know, <laughs> well, again, the, the, this guy, his name is Tiny Markle. He was the radio host. He, he, he likes to joke about everything. He says, well, I hope he has a better chance finding a parking space than I did. And the guy got kind of annoyed on the, uh, the other side of the radio and said, hey, if you don't, you don't believe me, go look out your window. And so uh, he, he said, well, let me amuse this guy and go look out my windows. And so he put on a couple commercials. When he got back, he said, hey, people, this guy's not lying. There's something going up Main Street, and it's huge. So I hear this while well, I'm painting. I just drop my paintbrush and everything. I says, that, if it's coming up Main Street, it's got to come right up by my house. So I'm going to go out and see it. So I grab my camera, I, my uh, binoculars, and my uh, video camera, and I get ready to see this object coming up Main Street, and I don't see anything. So I turn on the radio and find out that uh, they had made a turn and it's heading uh, more in the westerly direction. So I said, "Well, let me jump in my car and see if I could catch up to it." So I get in a car, I drive up and I'm trying to listen to the radio, looking out the window.
0: What a matchup! And what a team, Mike Metro PCS and the iPhone SE for zero dollars on a network that covers 99 percent of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive! <laughs> Play with the best. Switch to MetroPCS and an unlimited LTE plan and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. MetroPCS.
1: Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on MetroPCS in the past 90 days. See store for details in terms and conditions.
2: Don't see if I can see it. And then uh, I'm running up going towards uh, the Sacred Heart University up there, uh, which is like at the top of a big hill. So I would be able to see pretty far if I get up there. Then I hear on the radio, because I'm still listening to the radio, where the guy says, Oh, it turned over, it's going more to the west, it's heading to Fairfield County, not Bridge at uh, Fairfield, City of Fairfield and not Bridgeport. So by that time, uh, it's way a far with me. So I say I gave up the chase and I just turned around, went back home, started painting again. But uh, maybe about a half hour later, or maybe maybe yeah, maybe about forty five minutes later, I hear my brother slam the door yelling out my name. And I told him I'm upstairs, up in your room. So he runs up and he says, "You never believe what I saw." I said, "You've seen a UFO, right?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah." And he goes and starts telling me all about it. You know how he uh, he was coming uh, up to uh, to the uh, Fairfield exit, and um, on the I believe that was the Merritt Parkway. He was uh, coming up on the Fairfield exit, going north. And he said his car started sputter, and he didn't want to get stuck in the middle of the road, so he pulled it over to the side. His car died. And he tried to figure out what the heck happened. As he got out of the car, he noticed that down further, where the exit was down the hill, a while there was all cars were all stopped. There was traffic was stopped and was backed up quite a bit. So he started. To, he said, "Well, his car's not working, so he might as well go down and see what's going on." And he goes down there, and he uh, he sees one of the state troopers right there at the middle divide, saying um, he said to him, "What's, what's going on?" He says, well, "What's happened?" And the trooper says, "Look up." So my brother looks up, and he just couldn't believe his eyes. He says it was a huge, just huge object just hanging over their heads.
3: That's like what
2: you I've got a uh, question you
3: know. here for you here, Frank. Uh, someone from the chat room is asking if there's any truth to there being pilots that were flying in that immediate area that night in a tight formation that were mistaken for a UFO.
2: Well, I, I don't think you could mistake this for a UFO. I, I think, you know what, the, the fellow's probably asking the question about the uh, the triangle, because there were times where there was uh, what they call ultralight craft. Okay. These are uh, like one-man uh, ultralights that they fly. They There were a time that they supposedly, you know, I, I don't know much about this side of it. Again, this is more uh, what I've been reading about it and doing research on it, was that... The government was hiring people to fly these ultralights from Stormville Airport, which is probably maybe 10 to 15 miles from where they were seeing this triangle object. They were trying to get these ultralights to fly to simulate this triangle so they could say, hey, you you weren't seeing a UFO, you were seeing these guys in the ultralights. But the people would come back and say, hey, wait a minute, first of all, we can hear these ultralights. They make a hell of a lot of noise. This thing was lower than these ultralights, and it didn't make one sound. So uh, to answer the question, could it be, uh, the triangle, the flying triangle, be the ultralights? They tried to simulate that, but the theory was shot down because the, the witnesses who also saw ultralights, not only just the triangle, but the ultralights said it was like night and day. You could see the difference right away.
3: You know what just blows my mind and kind of angers me, and I see why you, you're kind of taking the stance like, look, you know, I'm I'm about through with the UFO topic because you just you're not seeing progress coming forward from mm-hmm. especially the the government officials. But it's so irritating for those of us who look wholeheartedly into these topics, and we hear and see uh, witnesses even that are are saying the government are making obvious. Uh, um, How can you say um, uh, like a
2: disinformation?
3: Yeah, to to make us all look like idiots, and it's like, you know, it gets so irritating, and it's like, no, really, the government. It's like, yeah, sure, the government. Ooh, it's like, like the government's ever been, you know, your friend. You know, it's (laughs) it's like, come on, they're they're really, they've got an agenda. They have. I I personally have (laughs) been questioned and interrogated by government people and mm. oh but it, this is not real well hold on you know i was taken to my pajamas people at least on vacation, <laughs> and there were other civilians there being interrogated too but oh ufos aren't real why are they asking about aliens to us regular people then right you know, right like i feel right. pretty sane um i didn't imagine that this had happened to me and uh you know a black helicopters over my home this is this is real. This and this is nothing that if you wanna, I, you could get popular for better reasons than saying I got kidnapped by government officials or I saw UFOs. I'm sorry, but there's a lot more out there um, to be known for instead of that.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I, I've I've spoken to people that, that uh, you know they were real willing at first to tell me all about these things, and then I go back to get you know I like says I, I want to just review what we talked about. And he said, you know, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And it's like, well, you know, you sat down with me for three or four hours to talk about this, to write, I write this report up and everything to get your, you know, the information, and you don't want to talk about this anymore. And it's like, uh, you know, what happened? And then I, I go to find out that uh, he had some visitors. But I, yeah. you know, I don't know if they're men in black or whatever, or just uh, soldiers or whatever, but he, uh, I just, he says, I, I just don't want to talk about these things anymore. Oh yeah, uh, it, it's frustrating. It's, re- it's very frustrating. And, and then you know, we always say we always say the government. I mean, is it the government? I honestly believe. I mean, I really, truly honestly believe that Obama and most of our presidents didn't know what the heck was going on. I, I think there's like maybe a, a a shadow government or a shadow group of people uh, that are in control of these things that are, are, uh, you know, I'm not saying above the government, but they're, like, away from the government. Uh, It's Because if you think about it, most of our government officials, we elect them, so they're only there for a certain amount of time. So you don't want to let people, if you're trying to keep a secret, you don't want to let people who are only going to be there for a while know what's going on. You're going to want to keep people there who are going to be there with you for a long time, like generals and colonels and... People who will make it a career type of thing. So, does Obama know about these things? Did Clinton know about things? I doubt it. I really, truly
3: doubt it. It's hard to know. And you know what? To be honest, how difficult is it really to fool anybody? I mean, people get pulled over all the time by uh, crazy guys that put some lights on their car pretending to be cops. We get fooled all the time with this stuff. Well, it looks official. I better obey. You know, we don't. We don't know who's storming and knocking at our doors, guys dressed up in black suits, and gosh, how would they know I saw a UFO? Okay, sir, sure, you know I'll, I'll listen to anything you say. We don't know who is if a group of friends got together and they, they created their own little semi-government and are pulling the strings of you know, a neighborhood even. I mean, there's gangs. Why not? Why can't they wear fancier clothes and, and find out who saw UFOs? Why not? You know I, We just don't know, And they could also be non-humans. You know, because it, it, honestly, they don't want to be found out. If if we know the face of our enemy, honestly, uh, mm-hmm. we got the upper hand. They don't want that. Of course,
2: yeah, of course. And, and uh, I I was at um, you right. know, like I said one of my group uh, meetings, and uh, uh, I I was talking to a person. I said, "Well, you used to come to the uh, the MUFON meetings. Said, well, why don't you come anymore?" And the person says, uh, "I truly believe that MUFON's been." Infiltrated. Uh, okay. I said, "What do you mean?"
3: We're going to get I into think... that after the break because we have to go to our next break here. Okay? Sure, sure. All right, sounds good. You know what, you guys? You know who you're listening to? You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander, and we will be right back.
1: Sagan once wrote that the questioning mind needs to be instilled with both skepticism and wonder, for the universe is a pretty big place, filled with undelved mysteries, sciences, and life that we've barely begun to comprehend. Every month... Intrepid Magazine brings you both the wondrous and the skeptical. Intrepid Magazine focuses on science, metaphysics, UFOs, politics, conspiracies, and unexplained phenomenon, all offered up by Intrepid's cadre of writers and contributors, comprised of a host of seasoned authors, pundits, and recognized names in their fields. The universe is indeed a big place, and where other magazines leave off, Intrepid Mag is just beginning. Subscribe to Intrepid magazine today at www.intrepidmag.com that's www.intrepidmag
0: Hello, guys. Jamie Haviken here for Heidi Hollis's The Outlander. Tune in to Inception Radio Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right after the Stench of Truth for The Outlander with host Heidi Hollis. Right here on Inception Radio Networks Fridays at 9 p.m.
1: I'll see you there. Thank you. You're tuned into Inception Radio Network. Bringing you the very best alternative news, interviews and more. 100% quality, 24-7, 365 for the last three years.
0: Hey, guys. Are you always on the run but love Inception Radio Network? Inception Radio Network now has its own apps for each market where you can choose various different streams from 24K all the way up to 128. We also have our calendar, which shows every live show, the guest name, and the guest bio. We have our podcast function to where you can go in and listen to all of our past shows. And it's all on one great app. Go to your iTunes app store and Android Market and search Inception Radio Network. I think you'll be pleased. For Inception Radio Network. This is Jamie Hey guys, Jamie Havikin here to tell you about Friends Radio. Friends Radio is hosted by Pat Daniels, Mr. Lee, and Carol. Right here on Inception Radio Network, Saturdays, right after Future Theater at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and they're brought to us by K KTALK, 630 a.m. out of Utah. So tune in to Friends Radio, Saturdays, 8 o'clock, and I'll see you there. Take care. Get advice on aliens to ghosts, demons to angels, and from shadow people to the outlandish. Explore the paranormal with Heidi Hollis, the Outlander. Outlander.
3: Welcome back, everybody, to my show, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander, on Inception Radio Network. And we've got Frank on as our awesome guest absolutely everything because there's so much to cover and we have somebody calling in who has a question for us. Uh, Caller, are you there? Air code 239. Yes. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Good. How are you? Who am I speaking to?
4: My name's Alicia. Um, I've actually, I'm running a very high temp tonight, but I was super psyched to um, be put on the air with you.
3: Very cool. Well, welcome. Don't tell me you (laughs) have that awful flu everybody's getting.
4: Yeah, it's, it's pretty oh. bad. My mom has it too, so it's just going around.
3: Oh. Um, no.
4: But I do have a question i Sue I I heard you first I think 3 years ago on coast to coast.
3: Okay, yeah. And
4: um it, it's about the shadow people. Okay. Um I have seen three different shadow people in my lifetime. And um I saw Blinking, like, flashing lights, they kind of looked like, um, like, oh, God, the cold medicine, (laughs) hee-hee, um, like, uh, those lightning bugs in my closet, like, a week before I saw, um, the shadow person, and I just wanted to know what exactly that was, because I wasn't drinking, I wasn't doing drugs, I, you know... It I was just out of- waking up. my My dog woke me up. He was barking. He saw it too. And I want to know why. Throughout my life, I've seen these people are or these so things.
3: Okay. And now the things that you had seen were they about the color of uh, of a lightning bug? Kind of a uh, greenish, yellowish.
4: It looks almost purplish, like um, like sparks. Um, I had a friend. It's funny when I tell things that have happened to me, like, I don't even, you know, like, if I hadn't experienced it, I would have never believed myself, but I had a friend spend the night, and they were sleeping in my room, and we had our backs to each other, and um, they were looking at my closet, and woke, or woke me up and said, oh, my God, I just saw something in your closet, wake up, Ooh. and I didn't believe him, I was like, you're full of it, you just go back to sleep, you, you're seeing things, it, Like, I never even heard of that. And then it was probably a couple years later that I saw it. And then, um, but it's been like three years, so.
3: Oh, that's so yucky. You know, I don't know what it is, but and I think, uh, because Frank, he's investigated these types of things too, uh, paranormal type things. I don't know what it is about closets, tight spaces, dark spaces. Closets are often dark. These things like to hide in there, and it seems to be a portal of some sort. I don't know. Why it is, but, and you'll see odd little things. It seems like where, where there's a portal, other things can poke their head through and, and take a look around, unfortunately. And, uh, and it's just like their little safety spot. And if this is still ongoing, I'd say, you know, you, you gotta get rid of these things. They're, they're not welcome. Um, I mean, well, this is something that you're still dealing with, correct?
4: It's, um, it's funny because, I I did deal with it for about three months, and um, it was really really hard for me. I was bartending at the time. I would stay at work very late, and I wouldn't want to come home. And then I started spending night at other friends' houses because I was just I was terrified. I lived by myself. I did not want to sleep in that room. And I swear to God, the very next day, because I didn't go to sleep, I like it was three in the morning. I woke up. My dog is barking, and we were actually having a tropical storm. I live in Florida. And we were having a tropical storm that night, and I thought, you know, it's normal for him to bark because of lightning and trees and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> I looked at him, and my eyes became accustomed to the, to the room. I had an alarm clock, so I could pretty much see everything in the room. And I'm, I'm looking at my dog, and he's on my bed, and he's not barking at the window. He's barking at my closet, and I, I look at my closet. And there was a man standing in my closet, but he was all black. And you couldn't see through him, but I could see completely everything around him. And um, I'm not even kidding you. He, I was frozen. I was completely terrified. And that shadow person walked to the corner of my bed. And then from, like he stopped for a second, and then he walked to the window. And in my head, I'm laying there, and I'm just going, please go out the window, please go out the window, please go out the window. Out the window. And he didn't go out the window. He walked right back to that corner of the bed and then he walked up to me and it's like he leaned forward into my face because the room got black and then it was like uh, like this pressure and I couldn't see anything and then like he backed away and I started seeing things come into focus and then he walked back in my closet. I was terrified. I was like, did I just see what I saw? Like, oh my God, like what is going on here? I called my neighbor upstairs, and it's like 3.15 in the morning now. And I'm like, please come downstairs. I'm so scared. And he's like, oh, it's just a storm. Don't." And I'm like, I I could care less about the storm. I just saw a flipping ghost. Um, I I do have a question. Uh, Now, have you seen this
2: uh, shadow person before you moved to this house? Or is it when you moved to this house that you started to see this?
4: um, I saw him before I moved to the house, and that's why Heidi completely um, caught my interest because I saw one with a, um, a top hat. The second one I saw had a top hat, and that oh. was in Atlanta. And not only did I see that, but my babysitter saw it, my brother saw it, my next-door neighbor saw it. Like there was a whole bunch of people standing on the street mm-hmm. looking at my house, and, and the shadow person was actually standing in the, in the window of the dining room window, and you could see the light on behind him. Mm -hmm. and we lived in a very, in Atlanta, in a very, very active area in Atlanta. I don't know if it was the house or just the area, because it wasn't just my house. It was house across the street, next door to me, and I was a young child, and I used to tell my parents this, and they used to go, you know, you're just, you're young, and you're dreaming, and da 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 but I think I'm actually a very, I'm sensitive to it, because I've been seeing it since I was young, and now I'm like 37, so... Mm -hmm.
3: Frank, yeah, that
4: you... was the third
3: one that I saw. Have you noticed a pattern with people like, like herself that are sensitive to these things and so everything just shows their face to them? I mean, have you have you noticed that in your research?
2: Yes, yes, I did. In, in fact, uh, like I said, the, my wife and my daughter can see these, these shadows, and I can't. And they describe it just about the same way. It's just a dark form. Now, uh, they... They never distinguish whether it's a man or a woman. They don't tell me that. They just say it's a shadow person. Yeah. Um, uh, but, again, you, 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 you must be sensitive. You must have some kind of a psychic ability for this to always happen to you like this. But you said other people noticed it also, though, right?
4: Um, yeah, around me, um, mm. it wasn't just me. Um, like, I'd been with another girl, and when mm. I was, I've seen, I've seen ghosts. But I don't consider shadow people ghosts. No,
2: um,
4: they're totally different. But I've seen actual ghosts where, like, you can like they look like a person, yeah. or sometimes they look like a photograph, or um, I just I just find it crazy that like you know me, I don't go looking for it, and um, you know some people have like searched. And like they go on these these hunts, these ghost hunts, looking for stuff, and they never mm-hmm. like they go their whole life without seeing anything. Yeah,
3: right. Or right. people
4: will go their whole life and not believe in the other side.
3: Exactly. Well, but you yet, know what? I want to address. You know, it things. comes
4: to me, and I I just don't understand like why, why it, it comes to God. me, and like
3: you know what, I'll am tell I you crazy? <laughs> of the, the haunting stuff that, that Frank has investigated as well, but I want to tell you something real quick, that it seems because you are able to see what you can, oftentimes these dark things come around to stamp out the light in you, because they can see that you can see them, and they don't, they don't mm-hmm. like it all the time, because it, again, if you could see the face of your enemy, uh, then you're empowered, and you're somebody that can spot these things out, and they, they, they're really successful in silencing a lot of people. And putting them in what I call paranormal closets because people don't tend to like to talk about these things out in the public, and and it's sad. Kind of that knowledge kind of sits with them that this stuff is real. And if you see
4: something that well, dark,
3: it's that powerful and that real and that solid. Trust me, there is a lot more powerful positive things out there that can protect you, and uh, definitely call on that because this guy. The difference between shadow people and ghosts, uh, they they will follow you wherever you go. So it didn't surprise me that you'd seen him before. And if you get him out of your house, it, he'll start showing up in your dreams. Um, he's just a freaking ooh, bastard. Yeah, I said it. Um, so it's just uh, I cannot stand that guy. Um, but there is more information that I'll definitely be putting out soon about that. And you know what? I, I would welcome you to... Um, to write me more of your story. And you know what? I think I may have you come on on one of my Outlandish Corners and so we could talk more in depth on this so we could get more to the source of it and like I could give you more direct uh, information. What do you say well, about that?
4: That would be great. Um, just to let you know, I did get rid of him.
3: Oh, yay. Um,
4: yeah, uh, I called one of my friends who did believe me and we said um, we got it off the Internet. We got a prayer And it was so crazy because um, I hadn't had a light work in my hallway in front of the door in probably two, three months.
3: Oh, my. And
4: we said this prayer three times, and it kept on going. And we walked through the house. We lit candles, white candles in every window, opened all the windows, opened the doors, and said this prayer, go to light. And I can't really remember what it was, but all of a sudden that light in the front door (laughs) turned on. And there was not any breeze. The, the flames weren't flickering. But um, my drapes in the front door started to move. Like, someone was looking out the, the, the window to see who was outside. And I think that um, he left because nothing happened after that. But... Um, uh-
3: Well, I really want to thank you for calling in and sharing your story because I think that's important for people to hear that, you know, even though it got as bad as it was and as brazen as it was, that you're able to get rid of it. So thank you again for calling in. I appreciate it.
4: You're welcome. I'll talk to you on Facebook again one of these days. (laughs) Oh,
3: please do. All right. Thank you. Okay.
4: Thank you for having me. Uh, Heidi, it's Frank. I I do have a
2: question for you. Uh, Like, I'm not so familiar with with these shadow people yeah. as you are uh, i my question is is it an evil presence
3: it definitely is it's something that's just runs through people you know a lot of people think that uh, oh it's just a ghost but until you're you're met face to face with one it, you realize this this is no kind of ghost or any kind of entity that i've been met with before it's it's really a horrific feeling um very much uh just the 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 plain opposite of uh, what people describe in their near-death experiences as being hit with love, they're hit with hate, and I nice. want to kill you, kind of, kind of mm. terror. It's really awful. Um, and you know what, Frank? I got a question here for you because you're talking about earlier about your research, how you wanted to uh, kind of steer more towards the near-death experience type of topics. Because right. let's just face it, the UFO phenomena is out of our hands. We could scrape up what we can, but. <laughs> It's just so aggravating, but um, somebody from the chat room said, "If if they if you've noticed there is a difference in near death experiences based on people's different faiths."
2: Um, I would say that there is no difference in, uh, as far as people's faiths, but the evidence or the research that I've been accumulating, what I find is that. The way the person experiences his near-death experience, if it's a heart attack or if it's drowning or, or if it's an automobile accident, there are patterns associated with that. Now, the most people who have remembrance of it are people who drown. I notice the people who were drowned, who were drowning or drowned, they have a better recollect of what happened, and they see more what's going around them than people who suffered a heart attack or uh, people who have been in an automobile accident. Um, it, I found out very fascinating that uh, they can retain more than that the other people. The other people experience things, uh, definitely. But the people who seem to have drowned can give you minute details, like both the people that they've seen on the other side, what they were wearing, or what building they were in on the other side, or the colors, uh, how vivid they were. They, they get into a more of a detail than of the other way that people experience that. Too, but as far as religions, they are, they, they are from all religions. They all experience the same thing. They, um, In fact, I had some people who were Jewish and met Jesus, and stood in front of Jesus. But again, Jesus was a Jew.
3: And were I mean, they but, still Jewish after the, the encounter with him?
2: They they felt that uh, they still were not Jewish, but they said they 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 spoke to Jesus.
3: So it they essentially accepted him. Jewish. you know. Because I, why I'm asking, I had a Jewish friend who had an encounter with Jesus and remained Jewish, but said, you know, Jewish is my friend too. Like respected and acknowledged Jesus for who he who he is. So mm-hmm. uh, so very fascinating. Do you find um, people who have had these near death experiences that they have? Uh, changed and altered their life in, in, in ways that have inspired others, like always? Or do some of them just kind of go, well, that would just happened and I'm moving on now?
2: Uh, most of them, I would say most of them. Uh, I, I've got, let me see, I've got about, oh, I'm just trying to get a rough idea how many I have. I have 18 that I'm looking at right now. Out of the 18, I would say at least 15 have changed their life they become more spiritual. And I'm not saying that they became, if they were Catholic, they became more Roman Catholic. I'm just saying they became more spiritual.
3: Do you find, too, and this is an important question, because a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to have a long-suffering death, but a lot of people say drowning is a slow death. But these people, when they're dying, are they suffering, or are they essentially kind of rescued from the suffering quickly or do they even recall the suffering i mean what is their perspective uh, of the the dying method
2: the here, here's the thing none of them ever recalled suffering not one person recalled suffering they they may be like uh, one person who had the heart attack felt a punch in his chest but after the punch in his chest he was free he, he just seen himself as he was zooming back up towards the light. He saw himself laying on the, uh, on the hospital operating table, but uh, it, no suffering. Uh, he had no suffering whatsoever. Even uh, uh, a person, say this person, uh, this woman, she was in an automobile accident. And she just, the last thing she remembered was flying through the, uh, the front windshield. She went flying through the front windshield. and The next thing, she saw herself laying on the grass next to her car, as she was zooming back up but she did not suffer she didn't feel anything that's so. amazing
3: I, I, you know it, it's a lot of people don't seem to understand uh, you know if the soul is to be taken it's taken and I had mm-hmm. seen somebody that was uh, had a near, the- near death experience after being attacked stabbed to death and mm-hmm. they felt the, the initial knife going in but then a light came and opened up and said we can take you now so you don't have to feel the rest of this and he started to go away with with the with the angel, and they said, "No, I have a son. I should come back." I said, "Well, it's going mm-hmm. to hurt." And they came back, you know. And it's it, it, so. What you're talking about here is absolutely relevant to what it is that people are are claiming to experience. And I think it's important for people to know that for our loved ones who we think just you know utterly suffered and died, right. that they're not alone. They're not alone.
2: It's that you know, Greg. You just you must be reading my mind. They have to realize they are not alone, and then uh, all these people tell me this that either, a, like you say, an angel or some spiritual guide comes with them, or it's a friend or it's a relative that'll escort them. They're not alone. They just you. It's it's an old cliche, but you don't die alone. No one dies alone.
3: No, there's even been uh, I, I at least I've heard one where two uh friends were in a car accident and they went down the tunnel together i had never heard of that before but only one of them came back but wow. the other one was okay with that because she was jealous her friend got to go home and she didn't so um so it she said it was kind of consoling to her now i wanted to uh, we only have a short time and i wanted to get to your your haunting paranormal investigations okay so, my goodness you have so much that you cover so i'm trying to squeeze <laughs> it all in frank <laughs> so, <laughs> sure sure so what has been one of your most intriguing investigations as far as ghosts are concerned, or demons, heck. Uh,
2: well, um, probably the most intriguing was my father's. Uh, the that's the Montauk uh, uh, incident where he had the hangman's ghost. Yeah. Um, I mean, to know my dad when, when he was alive, uh, he he was a construction worker. He was in the army, World War Two. He was just a, a regular guy, you know, just typical hard hat type of guy thing. Um, and um, no nonsense. Everything I did, he, he thought was stupid. The things, you know, looking into the UFOs or into the paranormal, he thought that was really idiotic. And, um, well, it, one, it was uh, one day uh, I had come back from Colorado, and I was sitting at the, uh, the, the kitchen table, and uh, I was looking through some of my books, and a friend of my father came in. Uh, his old war buddy. In fact, uh, they, they grew up together. He came in and he, um, you know, said hi to everyone. He just dropped by, and said hi, and he saw one of the books I was reading uh, about the paranormal. He said, you know, what's this stuff about? And I was telling him, oh, you know, the, you know, it's about things wanting things know. He said, what's that? I told him it's about, you know, ghosts and things. like that. He says, ghosts. He said, did your dad ever tell you what happened to us? And my father was sitting right across, and he says, you're not going to tell him about that stuff, are you, Angelo? And he says, yeah, we got to tell. He says, Frank wants to know. Let's, let's let him know what's going on, what happened. My father got so P.O.'d that he got up and walked outside out of the, uh, onto the porch. He didn't want to be around when Angelo told me the story. But uh, as the story goes, my dad and Angelo, they used to like to go fishing uh, in Montauk Point. Uh, during the winter, uh, they, they catch this fish called a whiting. It's like a small codfish. And... Um, they they went out there, I think it was uh, on a, um, oh, I think it was, uh, it was uh, on Washington's birthday. It was in February. You, you could fish these fish in the winter. It's the best time to get them. Anyway, they drive out there. They go to this place. And uh, they, uh, they have to walk by an old abandoned uh, naval uh, air base that was out in Montauk during World War II. They used to have a naval air base out there. So they have to go by that uh, air base. They go by an old airplane hangar that's there, and they walk out to the old pier to fish. Well, and, you know, they catch their fish to do their things. I'm giving you the short version. <laughs> uh, on their way back out, they're walking, you know, towards back to the car, and it's a, it's a cold, snowy February night, and they're walking towards back to the car, and it's cold and dark, and they notice a light going on in the old airplane hangar, of like a, a pulsating light. And so Angelo says to my father, he says, look, he says, uh, there's a fire inside the uh, the hangar. So uh, my father said, it must be a bump trying to keep warm or something from the you know, cold. So they kept walking towards the car, and they're getting closer to the hangar, and they noticed that the light is getting brighter and brighter. So uh, uh, Angela goes to another, this, this uh, fire is out of control. It's going to burn down that old hangar. So my dad says, look, when we get to town, we'll call the fire department. We'll have them come out and take a look at it. So they're walking. They're almost... Directly across from the hangar, now, the doors fly open, and out comes this, like, smoke or wisp, he called it, like a, a fog floating out, and he says it was about the size of a person, and as it got closer to them, it changed into a figure of a man screaming, and as it was right in front of them, it's let out the scream that made my Angelo, he dropped all his fishing equipment and the fish and he started running back towards the pier. My dad had to catch him before he would fall into the water. He fell in the water, he would have been frozen to death in, in just seconds in, you know, just a short time. But it, it finally he calmed Angelo down and says, You know, what's the matter with you? He says, Did you see that? Did you see what just happened? And my father goes to me, he says, Well it must have been just our imagination. <laughs> <laughs> and he just uh, you know, I can't say the words he actually told me because uh, you know we're on live on radio. But uh, he says that wasn't our imagination. You know. But as the story goes, my father said, "Look, let's get stuff in the car. It's cold. Let's go get a cup of coffee." They stopped at a diner, not too far from where they were fishing, and uh, it's like three in the morning now. It's getting real late. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, it was like I think it was maybe one or two in the morning. I'm trying to think about three. It was one or two in the morning. It was getting late. They stop in a diner, and there's no one in the diner except the guy who owned the place and one of the guys who washes dishes. And Angelo's trying to hold his cup, but he's so shook up of what he saw. He's, he's just trembling like crazy. <laughs> and, and so uh, the, the owner, who just poured the coffee to, to my father and Angelo, said, what's the matter with you? He says, is it that cold out there? He goes, no, it's not that cold. And then the owner, just out of nowhere, said, well, then you must have saw Hangman's Ghost. And then with that, Angelo drops his cup. And says, "That's what I saw." You know, that's you're right. That's what I saw. My father's like, "Ah, you guys are both crazy." You know, you don't know what you're talking about. But then the, the order went out to you know and told the whole story about about hangman's ghost. So I guess you know it was my father and Angelo weren't the first ones to see this guy to
3: see. So the backstory? Thing. Quickly, um, we only got a couple of minutes left. But what yeah. was the backstory with this ghost?
2: Well, it, it, the point was that it was a, uh, a a seaman who worked at the base. He uh, got a special leave to go back. To uh, he had a special leave, like a three day pass, a four day pass, because it was Washington's birthday. Back at around 1943 or 44, he uh, he went took the train back from Montauk, that back to uh, New York somewhere in Queens or Brooklyn, and uh, caught his wife in bed with another guy. And he wound up killing his wife and the guy. So he gets back on the train, gets back, goes back to Montauk, grabs a rope and goes and hangs himself up in the rafters in the old ha- airplane hangar. Wow. And supposedly that's the hangman's ghost. Got uh, Yeah, and in, in the book, I, you know, I, I go a little bit further in the investigation, and I then myself and my friend would go there in Montauk. Now, this is back in 1979 or 80 when we went there, and to retrace everything that was happening. But uh, we sort of uh, validated most of what uh, my dad told me. But uh, yeah. until the day my, my dad died, he still, he says, it was still his imagination.
3: Well, you know what, Frank? We come to the bottom of our show here. I want people to know how they could get a hold of your book and uh, get a hold of you if they'd like.
2: Sure, um, the book uh, is again. It's called Paranormal Family and Friends. You can get on any of the uh, any of the websites, uh, book websites like uh, Amazon, Borders, or whatever, Any of those book websites, you can get them at. And the um, I, I just like to uh, just uh, to let people know that uh, I will be speaking at the uh, it's called the Quad Cities Para Conference in, in June twenty first. If anyone's in that area at that, that time, that could come there. You could look it up at Facebook Quad Cities ParaCon. Uh, you'll see the site there. The, uh, it should be pretty interesting. We're going to have a lot of people there, and um, that's about it.
3: Well, thank you so much, uh, Frank Riga for coming on the program tonight. I really appreciate it. Oh,
2: you're welcome, Heidi. Thank
3: you. Well, you guys, once again, another fantastic show is coming to a close. Remember, you can catch me here every Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. You've been listening to me, Heidi Hollis of The Outlander on the Inception Radio Network. Remembering always, if it's weird, we're here. Good night, <laughs> everybody.
0: And what a team, Mike. MetroPCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to MetroPCS and an unlimited LTE plan and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. MetroPCS.
1: Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on MetroPCS in the past 90 days. See store for
0: details and terms and conditions.